Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Yesterday we were discussing the Leela of Jayan Vijay, blocking the four Kumaras from going back, from getting into Vaikuntha and meeting Lord Vishnu. And uh, we've been discussing the commentary of Jiva Goswami, which gives insight into that. And uh, the reason we're discussing this is because we've been discussing about leaving the body death, and now we're finishing the discussion and gradually transforming into the discussion on what happens after, not while or right before, but after. And so we're starting to read about the spiritual world. We still have a few things to read about the dying process. And then from this point on, we're going to be discussing the nature of transcendence, the spiritual world. It's going to be very interesting. So... We left off with the four Kumaras, not being able to get into Vaikuntha, being blocked by Jayan Vijay, by transcendental arrangement, uh, them not being qualified to enter, being impersonalist, and Vishnu having to come and mediate, and he had come with Lakshmi, he had come with Garuda, there are reasons for that we discussed yesterday. If you weren't here yesterday, then you'll... You can look and see. Okay? So, we're going to merge into Vrindavan for a while by chanting Jai Radha Madhava. Okay? And then we'll get back into that story, which is very interesting. The spiritual world is more interesting than the material world. Shura na na na, 
Let's continue reading from where we left off yesterday about this wonderful Leela of Jayan Vijay. It's amazing. More than amazing. Hold on a minute. Time to control the sunshine. A little bit. Okay. Okay, so I have to go down to where we're reading from. <clears throat> okay, so. <laughs> As you remember, should the translator have ready um, at the time of death and in the spiritual world, are the two documents we'll read from after we finish this, depending on how long it takes to get through. Sometimes I think we're going to get through quickly and we don't. So we're going to begin with this, but this is just, I'm using the notes just as a backup, but I'm not reading them. So, what happened, as you may remember yesterday, the four Kumaras are impersonalist, so they're attached to the impersonal Brahman. 
And so Krishna came out, he came out of the gate, he also was blocking them from coming in because he came out, and they wanted to see him, so he satisfied them. They wanted to see his lotus feet, so he came without shoes. And he brought Lakshmi to pacify them. But ultimately, they were really pacified by seeing him. And so there was a transition that took place. And the transition that took place is when they saw Lord Vishnu walking, while they saw him walking. Because at that point, their minds just calmed down seeing his beauty. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of, of experiencing something that is extremely beautiful and, or smelling something extremely fragrant or hearing something very beautiful and it just calms your mind. So Prabhupada would often say that we can't actually imagine what the spiritual world is like. We can't imagine the beauty of Krishna. But at least we can try to imagine. And by hearing this story, you can try to imagine how beautiful Krishna must be that the, the agitated minds, just after they're having a fight, immediately calm down. And also, there's more than just them calming down. And that's described how they transitioned from impersonalist to personalist by this association and how Jiva Goswami says this this story in the Bhagavatam we may not be aware but this story is actually meant to transform, convince impersonalist of the supremacy of the personal form because the idea is that impersonal Bhagavan is the source and Krishna comes from that but now those who are Bhagavan realized are going beyond Brahman and becoming attracted to Krishna, which means Krishna must be beyond Brahman. Bhamanohi Pratishtaham. It's so funny. I don't know if it's funny or sick. Maybe when we say it's funny, it just means it's ridiculous. But the result is very bad. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Brahmanohi Pratishtaham. I'm the source of Brahman. And then the impersonalists say Krishna is a temporary manifestation of Brahman. In the seventh chapter of the Gita, Krishna says, if, if you think that I have been manifested, I'm temporarily manifested from something impersonal, from an unmanifest impersonal, then you're less intelligent. So what, what they believe is that Krishna is manifest temporarily from something higher. And right in the Bhagavad Gita, I think it's the 24th verse, 7th chapter. Right in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is saying, well, if you think that way, you're less intelligent. That's so interesting, isn't it? Like, it's very clear. And then you understand something about human psychology when you see these clear verses in the Gita and how they're interpreted to facilitate whatever it is a person wants to believe. In this case, you see these direct statements Aham Sarvasya Prabhava, I'm the source of everything. Oh, it doesn't mean that surrender to me. No, it doesn't mean me. It means the unborn within. You know, just like amazing, amazing when you think about it. Like what the mind will do to establish something. 
that they believe in and something they want to believe in and they, something they need to believe in. When Krishna is very directly saying, no, I'm, I am the source of Brahman. Everything rests on me. I'm the source of everything. If you don't think, if you think I've come from something else, you're less intelligent. Still, they kind of juggle, twist. It's interesting, don't you think? I mean, then Prabhupada said, in, um, there was one man named Dr. Radhakrishna. And he said, his interpretation was when Krishna says, man mana bhavan madhbhakto, or, or surrender to me, well, it's not the Krishna, it's the unmanifest within him, the unborn, something beyond Krishna. And Prabhupada's saying, so Krishna couldn't explain himself, and we need you to explain him? Krishna couldn't get it all out in Bhagavad Gita, you have to help him, he couldn't, he didn't get it, you know, it wasn't like, he didn't get it like complete, and we need you to to get it complete. You know, so it's ignorance. Ignorance is it's just amazing to observe how it works. But but we can also see because of an attachment to thinking in a certain way, because of an attachment to believing a certain way, then these verses which are crystal clear are completely un, unintelligible. When Mahaprabhu was speaking to Sarvabhoma, he was speaking on a verse in Bhagavatam. It's called the Atmarama verse because it begins with the word Atmarama, first canto. Atmarama's Chamunayo, that um, self-satisfied. Atmarama means self-satisfied, the devotee is self-satisfied, the transcendentalist is self-satisfied. So, he had explained, Mahaprabhu had explained this verse to Sarvabhama Bhattacharya and just like blew, literally blew his mind, blew his heart, blew all the Mayavad out of him. But before that, Sarvabhama had spoken to Mahaprabhu. He wanted to help him because Mahaprabhu was only 24 when he took sannyas. But Sarvabhoma at that point was an impersonalist. He said, so I, I need to help you. And all the sannyas at that time were impersonal sannyas. He said, I need to help you. So he's explained, I need to explain Vedanta to you. He explains Vedanta. Then after like a day of listening, he said, do you understand? Lord Chaitanya said, yeah, I understand Vedanta, but not when you explain it. He said, Vedanta's clear, and then when you start talking, you just cover it up. So, what an insult. Someone explains something to you, and you say, yeah, I understood it before you explained it. I already understood it, but your explanations have completely butchered the proper understanding. So, <clears throat> he said, yeah, he said, the verse is clear. <clears throat> it's like the sun and your explanation is like clouds over the sun. So, it's so interesting. You take the pure sunlight of Krishna's instructions. We need you. We need your clouds. Yeah, your clouds are very important. Bring your clouds and cover it. So, so you can explain Gita the way you like. We used to joke, Bhagavad Gita, not as it is, Bhagavad Gita as you like. That's basically <laughs> what it is. Anyway...
So, there's a little description of what Krishna was wearing. So he had a yellow dhoti, and then over the dhoti was a belt. So the belt was thinking, I'm better than the dhoti because I'm over the dhoti. And then, but over the belt was a garland which went down to his feet almost. What does it say? Um, do, 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 do. Mm. Anyway, down to pretty much the garland goes down below his knees, maybe to his feet. And so the garland's thinking, I'm better than the belt. And then on the garland were bumblebees surrounding the garland. So the bumblebees were on top of the top of it. Um, and the bumblebees were pretty ecstatic because they got to be the closest to Krishna. So Krishna was standing there. He had his left arm on Garuda and he was twirling a lotus flower while this whole thing was going on. <laughs> you imagine that scene, you know. What did it look like? Krishna's kind of standing like this, you know, leaning on a shoulder or something. He's just like, hmm, yeah, okay. Kind of checking out the scene. All right. Um, so, you're probably thinking, well, if I'm sitting around like, you know, sometimes, you know, you sit around and you're just kind of fudging around with some object, you know, just so like, I guess a pacifier, you're kind of going like that. And if you saw me, you know, talking and doing this, you you wouldn't think, there must be an esoteric reason that Mahaprabhu is shifting his pen. If there was, I would tell you, okay, this is this pen exemplifies something. It's an, an analogy I'm teaching with a prop. But I'm just going like this. But Krishna is sitting there twirling a lotus flower. It has a meaning. There's a significance. Okay. This is what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says. Um, the lotus flower <laughs> was diverting the four Kumaras from Brahmananda, from impersonal Brahman. And you're wondering, how is that? Mm. And it was like, this is what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says. It was as though it was as though the lotus flower was talking to them because now they're just becoming attracted. And this is what the lotus flower was saying. Sages, you have concluded that Brahman is reality, but you're so agitated with Jai and Vijay, so why don't you just stay fixed in Brahman and stop being disturbed? It was like, anyway. That lotus flower has Shakti. Um, mm. So, the Kumaras are already being attracted. Now, you've probably heard that they went from impersonalism to personalism by smelling the fragrance of the Tulsi that was on Krishna's feet. If you've read Nectar Devotion, then you've heard that. So, let's describe a little further. There was not just Tulsi, but there was saffron on Krishna's feet. And so, this air was blowing. Mm. Saffron and Tulsi. 
this air was blowing this fragrance into their nostrils. And when they smelt it, it's very interesting, their hearts started, you know, getting agitated, spiritually agitated. Um, um, yeah. So it was like they were getting prema now, they were getting love of Krishna by smelling. They were becoming personalist, they were becoming attracted to a personal relationship by the fragrance of Tulsi mixed with saffron that was on Krishna's feet and the wind had blew it into their nostrils and all of a sudden everything's changing. And you know, you hear in Shastra that by coming in touch with Krishna like that, things can change very quickly and, and you're thinking, well, what about me? I like, I come in contact with Tulsi every day. I take Charnamrita every day. I see the deities every day. Well, results may vary. That's all I can say. <laughs> Put this oil on your head and you'll grow long, long, thick hair, even if you're bald. Results may vary. Okay, maybe it happened. Maybe some gorilla put it on his head. <laughs> it grew his hair. Results may vary. Yeah, so <laughs> the thing is, you know, it, it's a little bit like soil. Uh, I was in Mauritius. I don't know if it's still true now. It's a volcanic, volcanic island, and volcanic soil is, like, extremely rich. All kinds of things would just grow. You wouldn't even... You wouldn't even have to plant them. They just grow all these subjis and whatever. And, you know, every few months you say, "Oh, another papaya tree." Just you know, some seed, papaya seed was dropped in you know, all these trees and mangoes and. Psh. So bhakti's a little bit like that. You say, well, "How is it they just smelt the tulsi? I smell tulsi. It's not fair. I want my money back." No, oh, well, the soil <laughs> looks like. Kumars have volcanic soil. You know, we might have some used, bleached out Monsanto destroyed soil. So it's like, it's taking longer. So that that's, so it doesn't, just because it doesn't work on us instantly, don't discount the power of it, right? And sometimes you hear stories where someone meets a guru and then they go home and they start chanting 64 rounds a day and like a week later they... They're on the stage of Baba having ecstatic symptoms, and we read that. It's not fair. It's just not fair. I've been chanting for 50 years, and still I don't have... I'm not even close to that. Yeah, results may vary according to the individual, but just because it doesn't happen to us doesn't mean it's not going to happen to somebody somewhere, or it doesn't mean the potency is not there. And And then also... As you become purified, then your heart becomes more fertile, so that, you know, one day it'll happen. It just took longer, but it's going to happen. Just hang in there, ladies and gentlemen, just hang in there long enough and, you know, that seed will sprout. Okay, so, but this, this section is interesting and in how, how quickly they were transformed. Mm. So, their heart's becoming agitated now. There's, just by smelling the fragrance, could you imagine what that fragrance must have smelled like? Because it's not, you say, well, I know what Tulsi smells like and I know what saffron smells like. Yeah, but this was on his feet. So that was an added component to the fragrance. Okay. 
So, Vishnu Chakravarti says, well, they weren't allowed to go into Vaikuntha because they were impersonals. So, wasn't it wrong that the fragrance, the air, went into their nostrils because they're like not qualified? You know, someone could think like that. And so, Vishnu Chakravarti says, no. Uh, um, it was the air. It wasn't, you know, they're thinking, is it improper, um, like Krishna ordered the air to do that, why didn't, no, but the air did it on their own. So, um, anyway, they became, the Kumaras became very blissful. That was the mercy, by the mercy of the air, like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna give you mercy. So the air gave them mercy. And you know what happened when they smelt that? All the ecstatic symptoms. Tears, throat choking, hair standing on end, the eight ecstatic manifestations, just by smelling. Saffron Tulsi, that it touched Krishna's feet. Is that amazing? Hare Krishna. Anyway. Um, yeah. So it's said that like an enemy is captured, the hearts of the Kumaras were captured. Okay. Now, there's some commentary by Jiva Goswami. So, they manifested an ecstatic emotion, which is called chinta anxiety. So let me read this. The thoughts which arise owing to not obtaining the desired object or attaining an undesired one are called chinta or anxiety. You don't get something or you get something you don't want. The effects are deep breathing, lowering of the head, scratching the earth, change of bodily you, you loss of sleep, crying, feeling a burning sensation, weakness, tears, and pity. So, after beholding the form of the Lord, the Kumaras declared, O Lord, we have committed a great offense by cursing your servants. Let us be born in hell for this grievous sin. But we pray that our hearts and minds are always engaged in the service of your lotus feet. Our words be made beautiful by speaking of your activities, just as Tulsi leaves are beautiful when offered to your feet, and our ears being always filled with the chanting of the Holy Name and your transcendental qualities. So, Total transformation. Now feeling extremely regretful, asking for forgiveness. But now in their attachment to Krishna, then just asking Krishna, please, may we never forget you. That's, that's our desire. So here's the commentary. Um, so... Obviously, this, this prayer shows the transformation that took place. Now they're devotees, they're not gyanis. Um, mm. But another significant thing, now that they become devotees, like being in Vaikuntha is no longer important. Now they're saying, you know, we committed an offense, we, you know, if you want to punish us, 
send us to hell. Isn't that interesting? They're going to Vaikuntha. They want to see Vishnu. When they finally see Vishnu, there's a transformation. And then they say, you know, we committed an offense, so we probably deserve to go to hell if that's what you want. Then so be it. But we just want the benediction we can always hear and chant about your glories. So there's a verse like that. Swarga pavarga narakeshu. The devotee doesn't care if he's in swarga, heaven. Pavarga, liberated, or narakeshu, in hell. Because he can hear and chant about Krishna. He's happy. So this is a pretty big transformation, don't you think? Yeah. Hmm. And there's the verse, Narayana Parasave Nakutas Chana Bibhuti. That is from 6.17.28. For devotees, any condition, heaven, hell, it's all. To them, it's no different. You want to go to heaven? Eh. You want to go to hell? Eh. You want to go to Vaikuntha? Eh. Well, which one do you want to go to? Eh, it's all the same to me. I'm going to be the same to you. One's heaven, one's hell, one's... No, I'm chanting the glories of the Lord. It's all the same to me. That's the idea. Um, uh, okay. So, what were the Kumaras afraid of right now? They had a realization that they had offended a devotee. And that, that offense was going to cause some problem. But their biggest anxiety was that due to that offense, they would lose their bhakti. And so that's why they're praying for bhakti. So, you know, please, please, we don't, please, we don't want to forget. That was their main concern. We don't want to forget you. And so, you know, if we have to suffer for the offense, that's fine. But we don't want to suffer forgetfulness. So that's significant, right? Then the Prabhupada says um, in one purport, I think it's in the story of Jai and Vijay, he said that the one thing a devotee can't tolerate is forgetfulness of Krishna. You can tolerate. It's like anything's tolerable, but that would be intolerable, to be in some situation where I would forget Krishna. So this is more or less what they're saying. We'll... We'll tolerate anything, even hell. That's tolerable, but we won't. We can't tolerate forgetting you. So they were very concerned that that offense wouldn't result in that. Yet sometimes an offense does result in loss of attraction. So you know we should take it quite seriously. If we lose our attraction for Krishna, well, you won't. In a sense, you don't lose it. It's just replaced with attraction to Maya. Okay. Um, Hmm. Actually, it says here they attained prema. And then Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says that, you know, a bee will gather nectar from flowers on, on bushes that have thorns. So they'll tolerate the thorns or take the chance of being hurt by the thorns to get the nectar. So, so he's saying in the same way, they're ready to tolerate whatever 
they have to tolerate due to their offense, but they don't want it. They can't tolerate forgetting Krishna. So I think what's so interesting about this is that we willfully forget Krishna. Well, let's go do this, and then we forget Krishna. Let's enjoy this, we forget Krishna. Isn't that interesting, don't you think, that we will willfully forget Krishna, replace Krishna with sense gratification because we feel like it or we want to do something. And here, here they're, they're so concerned that they would forget Krishna and we voluntarily sign up for forgetting Krishna. Where do I sign up? Where, where? I get enjoy material enjoyment? Okay, I'll sign up. But you have to forget Krishna to get enjoyment. It's okay. Just for an hour or two, I'll enjoy. Let me. So I think we should take this as a good example. That a devotee can tolerate anything other than forgetting Krishna. And if we can tolerate forgetting Krishna, that's a problem, don't you think? Yeah, you know, like the devotee we talked about, you know, took, you know, every day, I think it was like three to four or four to five in the afternoon. He scheduled in one hour of Maya because devotional service was so intense, he needed a one-hour Maya break. You remember that? I don't know where that godbrother is. He was funny. But he didn't try to be funny. He was just funny. Totally serious. I needed a break from Maya. Bhakti's too intense. No, the devotee's not like that. You know, one hour to forget Krishna. No, one moment. If I forget Krishna for a moment, that's like a disaster. So that's how they feel. It's such a good example, isn't it, for us? Mm -hmm. Think about it, yeah. Hare Krishna. Mm -hmm. So um, they offer some prayers, and one thing they say in these prayers, additionally to what we're discussing, is that um, they just feel like overwhelmed that Krishna went out of his way to make this happen, this transformation. And I think we should all feel similarly that because we're devotees, Krishna has done something in our lives to enable us to become devotees. In some way, Krishna has arranged something. I, I listen to a lot of Prabhupada memories. And if you go to YouTube and just put in Prabhupada memories, there's now 73 videos. So that's, you know, that would take you like a while, 73 hours at least, maybe more. So what was I saying? Um, yeah, so you hear these stories of devotees and, and of how they became devotees, and so many of them are like Hollywood movies. They're, like, they're not things that happen ordinarily. And it's obvious that Krishna has decided to show mercy to that devotee and make some arrangement, whatever that arrangement is. And you can see, when you're listening to the story, you can see, oh yes, this is no accident. This person was ready to be a devotee. Krishna arranged this, Krishna arranged that. And, and perhaps in your own life, that's your realization. So, I think I think we can feel the same way here, that, you know, Krishna has come out of Baikunta to see the Kumaras, but Krishna, you know, he he's arranged through his devotee that we could meet him. 
or get a book. Krishna is, you know, he's not different from the book. In some way, we could meet him. So, um, mm, mm, mm. yeah, so, as I said before, here in the commentary, it says, now, now that they become devotees, it, this story demonstrates the superiority of bhakti over Brahmananda. Because Brahman, as Prabhupada said, you will find that Brahman realized persons sometimes become devotees, but you won't find that devotees give up devotional service to become Brahman realized. So that's another, that's another, hello, is anybody home? Why are you an impersonalist quote? Hello, how could you be impersonalist with quotes like these? Amazing. It's just amazing. If some of you are young and, you know, want to do a PhD, do it, do it in this. How? Do it on impersonalism. How and why people become impersonalist without any, there's no evidence for it. What's, what's the whole psychology? Well, we understand that psychology is to become God. And so, you know, if you interfere with someone's desire to become God, that you could like ruffle their feathers a bit. And it's just so interesting, don't you think? Um, okay. Well, you know, Shankaracharya did a good job convincing everyone to be impersonalist. Okay. Yeah, so again, in, in the commentary here, it says, uh, let me read, let me read this. The description of the Kumara's attempt to enter Vaikuntha is especially included by Sri Vyasadeva to completely deride impersonalism. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, we mentioned that yesterday. Mayavadis. Sunyavadis are, are Buddhists. Voidists. Impersonalist and voidists. The impersonalists want to become one with Brahman. The voidists want to become one with everything. Or become nothing. You know the joke. The Buddhist comes into the pizza parlor, and, or the, <laughs> the impersonalist goes to the pizza parlor. Make me one with everything. But the Buddhists wouldn't say that. They'd say, the Buddhist joke is that the, the Dalai Lama got a present and he opened the box. There was nothing in it. And he said, just what I always wanted. Nothing. So that's, shunya <laughs> means zero. What do you want? Oh, Buddhist monk, what do you want for your birthday? Just give me nothing. Nothing is what I always wanted. Just give me a box with nothing in it. That was the best present for an impersonalist. And very inexpensive. Maybe you can convince all your friends to become Buddhist and you know, you'll save money on birthday presents. What do you think? Good idea. Probably not a good idea. Um, but if they do become... If they if you have any friends that are Buddhist, then just give them an empty package. Uh, just send them a box with nothing in it. And then if they're Mayavadis, then you can send them a pizza and say, "I've just made you one with everything." Hare Krishna. Okay. So, 
that ends that story. And um, I just find it so interesting how Vyasadeva included that story to deride the impersonalist. Interesting, right? Uh, well, Krishna, but Prabhupada said the impersonalists become devotees someday. Of course, that someday may be a few kalpas away. It's like, you know, Krishna is equal to everyone. But he's a little more equal to some. <laughs> you know, in the Gita, Krishna says, I'm equal to all, but, you know, those who render service, I'm dear, they're dear to me. So it's like, hey, what's going on? He's equal to all, but he's more equal to some. That sounds like prejudice. And yeah, it is. But Prabhupada said, no, not actually prejudice. It's just normal, you know. You have affection towards those. You have more of affection, more affection towards those who have more affection to you. But it doesn't mean you dislike anyone else. You're equal to all. But those who love you, how could you just be equal with them, as you are with everyone? No, because they love you. I'm equal to all. Yeah, this person just gave me a million dollars, but I, I don't see them different than anyone. I'm equal to all. That would be weird. That's like, what's wrong with you? Of course, you, 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 you're equal pose, you see everyone equal, but this person has given so much to you, you naturally feel something. Yes? Okay, now we're going to go back. Looks like we have two questions. Krishna, caution. The Kumaras went through transformation, and this transformation, I'm wondering, why are they going through transformation? And we are again coming back to previous state. We think we reach a certain level of consciousness and we are losing it. How to stay transformed? Well, they, they transcended the modes of nature. What Krishna Krishnakarshani is describing is, like sometimes you're very Krishna conscious. You know, you're in the Holy Dom. Everything is like perfect and you're feeling transcendental. And you lose, and then you go back to the West and go back to your life, your ordinary, boring, miserable life. Hopefully, your life is not boring and miserable, but you know what I mean. Your job may be a little boring and miserable. And then you go back and you, you lose those realizations, you lose what you were feeling, that strength, and so forth. It, it's because we're still under the influence of the modes of nature, but here, Kumaras had achieved prema, so there's no going back. There's nothing to go back to. They're already transcending. But when you're, when you're within the modes of nature, you're not entirely transcendental, then it's like, you know, you may be in the mode of goodness, but there's no pure goodness in the material world. And so by being connected with the modes of nature, naturally you get connection with passion and ignorance. And passion and ignorance, therefore, can potentially affect you. Even if it didn't affect you yesterday, it can affect you today. So then, as soon as we slacken in our practice, or our environment changes and it's not conducive, and we don't do something to counteract that environment, then that's what happens. We slip back. If we're, you know, if, if, you, if you're doing well one day and not doing well another day, Try to figure what, what happened, what was going on, because some influence of the modes of nature is there. 
how to stay transformed and you have good sadhana it protects you from good sadhana good attitude it perfects you protects you from being influenced by the lower modes of nature but if you're influenced by the lower modes of nature then back down you go back down yo yo bhakta yo yo bhakta sometimes up and sometimes down Sometimes sattvic, sometimes tamasic, sometimes rajasic, sometimes transcendental. At the Sunday feast on the fourth Gulab Jaman, up and down, yo-yo bhakta. Sometimes up, sometimes down, goodness, passion, ignorance, going around. So the philosophy is, as Prabhupada said many times, what I just said in the song. If you're in Satwaguna, you're going to be influenced by passionate ignorance. So you want to engage in transcendental devotional service. And you might say, but even I do devotional service, I'm not transcendental, what the service is. And it keeps you transcendental. At least it keeps away the modes of passion and ignorance. So if there's little or no passion and ignorance in your life, and there's a lot of Krishna in your life, you're okay. But when you invite passion and ignorance in, then you slip down. And that's why, you know, that's why I think the most, the most obvious way to understand this is after we come back from doing parikrama, or spending time in the Dham, you know, you, you experience the different influence of the West. You really, you really, when you go to India, you spend some time there, you come back to the West, you really understand the nature of the West. It's very thick with Tamaguna. And so because it's thick with Tamaguna, we get affected by it. And unless we have strong Krishna consciousness, we're going to be affected. I, I would say affected by it means that the influence is there potentially. And if you're strong in Krishna consciousness, it's not going to have much influence. It's, it's kind of like you're wearing a rain suit. And so Tamagun is showering on you, but you don't get wet because you have your transcendental rain suit on. So it's always raining Thomas and Rajas in the Western world. Everywhere in Kali Yuga it's raining, except in the Dham. But you could make it rain in the Dham if you don't live properly. But to say the Dham is raining transcendence. So when you're in the Dham, that's how you feel. You come back to the West, it's raining passion and ignorance, and if you don't have a strong rain suit of sadhana, then you get affected. I think that's the best example I could give. It's exactly what it's like. So you'll see some devotees in the West, they're completely ecstatic and blissful and, you know, they're engaged in service they love and so forth. So, yeah, that's the, that's, that's what's happening. You've taken off your sattva rain suit, shame on you. Now you're going to get rained on by passion and ignorance. You know, you say, but when I was in Vrindavan, I was so dry, and now I come back to the West and I'm so wet with passion and ignorance. Yeah. Vrindavan doesn't have much passion and ignorance, and you had your rain suit on all the time. So the answer to your question is, make sure you have your rain suit of sadhana on all the time, otherwise you're going to get showered on by ignorance and passion. Yes? What if I die in that one hour break? Yeah, exactly. I should have told him that. But Prabhu, what if you die during your Maya break? 
he probably had some answer for that. I I pray to Krishna during this one break, I don't die. He probably wasn't worried about dying. He was only like 25 when he was doing it. I'd love to find out where he is. He's like a character. His name was Dunvantari, initiated by Prabhupada. I'd love to see him and remind him. I don't know if he'll remember. I say, you remember your one-hour Maya break? So we have a question. Another question. Kamini's question or a question from someone else, maybe. If we forget Krishna, how aware would we actually be that we have forgotten him? How aware would we be of our miserable condition? If we have forgotten him, I didn't become aware of it. This means before you're a devotee? I didn't become aware of it until I came. Yeah, certainly I have felt how intolerable it is. We just couldn't put a name on it. Yeah, what's happening when someone becomes a devotee is they're feeling separation from Krishna consciousness. They don't know it because they hit it, you know, they hit the wall materially. They've done everything material, so they don't they don't know they're forgetting Krishna. But there's a sense something's missing. I'm not exactly sure what it is, and that's Krishna. I mean, some people they're more religious, so they know it, it must be God. Maybe not. Uh, understanding Krishna as the supreme personality of God, but it's the process of the material world. You, know? you may put a name on it, you may not, but you know something's missing in my life. I just don't know what it is. And then you learn about Krishna consciousness, and you go, "Oh, that's what it was." Water with apple cider vinegar, mm, very healthy. Any of you take water with apple cider vinegar? Hare Krishna. My wife said it's very healthy. So I drink it. Whatever my wife says, I do it. This comedian said he was in line get something at a cafeteria in a hotel or something. And he said, I'm, his wife didn't want him to eat. And he said, uh, I, I really want to eat this. She said, he said, I'm really hungry. And she said, you are not hungry. <laughs> and then he said, then he said to some guy, he said, I guess I'm not hungry. She said, I'm not hungry. So that, that's the obedient husband. Hare Krishna. You like to have a husband like that. I don't know. Okay, so this this thing that's missing, yeah. Now you know, Kamenea, what it was. I think we're all like Pariksha Marsh, everyone who becomes a devotee. We're like looking for Krishna. We just don't know because we can't remember seeing him. But we're like Pariksha Marsh, like looking like, do you have Krishna? It's like, it's like, you know, the young boy meets the girl. The young boy who later becomes a devotee meets the girl. And it's like he's looking for Krishna in that girl. And it's almost like asking her, are you Krishna? Are you going to give me what I'm looking for? Then he goes, for the money, are you Krishna? Are you going to give me... So after a while you realize it's, it's not sex, it's not money, it's not this and that. I was looking for God. Um... When you go shopping, you're trying to buy something to fulfill you. You're looking for Krishna. 
So you get some imitation, perverted Krishna. You know, it doesn't work. It works for a few days, maybe. That's about it. Then you're back to, to square point zero again, looking for Krishna, and you don't know it. You're looking for him. And the frustrating thing in material life is because you're looking for Krishna and you're looking where Krishna doesn't exist, you just get more frustrated. You, get, you feel more empty every time because what was supposed to fill, fill you up didn't work. And that, You ever drink lemon? Lemon water, lemonade? You know, do you know that actually lemons make you more thirsty? You ever drink le some lemon drink and after you drink it you think I'm more thirsty than when I started? How is that possible? That's the nature of lemons. They make you thirsty. So the nature of material life, it makes you more, the more you have, the more thirsty you become. Because you thought this was going to do it, and it didn't. So it's like, oh, I'm worse off now than before. Isn't it? You know, if you're not happy, it's one thing. But if you do something, and you think it's going to make me happy, and it doesn't, it's actually worse. It's more disappointing. Isn't it? Okay, so if we go to the document at the time of death, there are two more things to read we haven't read, and it's the last two, I believe. No, I think it's the last one. Well, let's leave their last two. You can become a rat. We probably read it, but we can read it again. This is a class given December 15th, 1970. Hmm. Did we get to the bottom of all your questions? Will Krishna protect the impersonalists? Will protect them from themselves? That would be a blessing. They'll take a while to come around. From my experience, we gain a lot of inspiration by staying in the Dom for some time. But that is surely, but that inspiration isn't backed up with good. Yeah. Why is my name there? How did, did I say that? Someone's impersonating me. Hare Krishna. That's interesting. I guess I said that, yeah. You go to the Dom, you get inspired, and then you, you take that out with you. Otherwise, you just go to the Dom and say, oh, this is great, and don't really imbibe it deeply, then when you come back, then you take off your rain suit, and, and you think, what happened? I was doing so well. Nikhil says, Nikhil goes to the Dom all the time. From my experience, we gain a lot of inspiration by staying in the Dom for some time, but that is short-lived. That inspiration isn't backed up with good consistency. No. Is that what I said? Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he was logged into my account when he said it. The Transcendental Rain said, yeah, it's a good example. Thank you. Mm. Your question was about a devotee forgetting Krishna. Okay, let's go back to Kamaniya's question and see if, if, it makes, if it makes more sense to me. If we forget Krishna, how aware would we actually be that we've forgotten him? I think we're always aware on some level. You 
If you're talking about a devotee, yeah. I don't know, there's this, some kind of obstinance. You know, Prabhupada said we're envious of Krishna, we hate Krishna. And that's why we somehow or other can be okay for getting him. Even though we feel pain. And, and I was just listening before class to it, Prabhupada memories. And the devotee said he had left Krishna consciousness for quite some time. And it's a typical story, and he was describing his experiences. He said, you know, I had success. I was very successful in what I did, etc. But the same old story that it just it wasn't working for me. And he said he became very depressed, extremely depressed. Isn't that interesting? You're material, highly successful materially, and you're extremely depressed. That wasn't the American dream we thought we were signing up for. And, you know, you probably heard the story. This happened, that happened, hit rock bottom, hit the wall, didn't know what to do, and then accidentally I came in touch with Prabhupada's books or devotees again. Like, I'm trying to forget them. I just, you know, I don't, I can't be Krishna conscious. I don't want it. I'm trying to forget it. So sometimes Krishna, even if you're trying to forget him, will, will just, like, create a situation where now... Now you're ready again. So, I don't know if that addresses what you're saying, but definitely we can say we're, we're obstinate in forgetting Krishna. Yes? We're expertly obstinate. Anyway, I, uh, all, all I would say to this question is that we should all be thinking of Jai and Vijay when they had to go to the material world. And they were saying like, you know, we can tolerate anything, but forgetting you, that's intolerable. It's a beautiful statement. It's, I can tolerate anything except forgetfulness of Krishna. And so if we can tolerate forgetting Krishna, that's unfortunate. That's, that's what I have to say about that. Or is it, that's all I have to say about that? Which one is it? For, we got it yesterday from Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I think that's better. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, it's, the sutra is finished. It's complete. Mm. Yeah, Ramananda Roy said, most painful thing is to be separated from devotees. When the lockdown started, some devotees were going crazy. I don't have association. Um, it was an interesting experience. Don't put the lemon and vinegar in together. It's a little too much, but you can do it separate. Okay, yesterday during class about Mercy Lord Chaitanya, you said something that made me realize that I don't want to come back to Krishna. You said that sometimes we're so stupid. What did I say? We're so stupid that we want to want to be enough Krishna conscious not to go to hell and gratify our senses, but not to be that Krishna conscious to go back to Krishna. <laughs> I realize that's me. Sorry that it's a bit out of topic. How to overcome. Come back to Krishna. I think I need 
to go to therapy, I have an issue with coming back to spiritual world. Yeah, what? Well, this is simple. You have an issue, there's some fear. What's your fear? And, and when, you, when you face your fears, you realize your fears are not rational. I don't want to go back to Krishna. I, yeah. I've been in the material world for so long, I'm pretty comfortable. You just, it could be you're just so used to the material world, it's your comfort zone. You think, oh, what if I go, you know, Krishna Karshani sometimes says, what if I go to the spiritual world and I don't like it? <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> oh, poor Krishna Karshani, she's stuck in Braja and she can't get out. What if she doesn't like it? That's just like so, it's material thinking. You were thinking that way when you were going to Vrindavan. Well, what if I don't like it in Vrindavan? I don't know. It's the same thinking. You actually think you're going to go to the spiritual world and not like it. That is so funny. If you like hearing and chanting about Krishna, you know, that's the best place to go. Why do you want to stay here with all these other people who don't like to hear and chant about Krishna? Right? Okay, so let's read about the rat becoming a rat in your next life. That's another option. If you don't go back to Godhead, you could become a rat. Anything's possible, right? So, this is a class in the Bhagavatam. Just like the flavor is carried by the air, similarly, my mentality will carry me to a different type of body. We probably read this, but we'll read it again. Just to... Um, Refresh us. If I have created my mentality like Vaishnava, pure devotee, then I shall immediately transfer to Bhakunta. If I created my mind as an ordinary karmi, then I will have to stay within the material world to enjoy the type of mentality which I have created. So, always have to remember when Prabhupada says enjoy, enjoy comes at a cost. So, Enjoy, and anytime you see this, enjoy the material world, enjoy your senses, enjoy the opposite sex, enjoy food, enjoy a nice house, enjoy fame. It all comes with a price. It's not just enjoyment. So don't, don't be so, you know, stars in your eyes. I want to enjoy. There's no pure enjoyment in the material world. It comes at a huge price. So you have to tolerate all kinds of things to get that enjoyment. You hear these stories, yeah, I started out cleaning the toilets and then, you know, I started cleaning the rooms and then they needed someone to run errands. I started to run errands and then, you know, then they um, they saw I had some ideas, I gave them some ideas and they brought me into management and, you know, this is like this guy's life story 25 years now, he's the CEO, you know. <laughs> he's like proud of it. And we're looking at it and thinking, you work like an ass for 25 years so you could become the CEO of this company? You're an idiot, you know. So you, you want to become the CEO, okay, there's a price. 25 years of cleaning toilets and, you know, licking people's boots and then, you know. So, you know, we look at these stories and go, oh, it's so inspirational. And Prabhupada's saying, yeah, you're working like an ass in the material world. So you, you, now you're the CEO. Yeah, you became, you had to become an ass to become the CEO. And, you know, 
you're in the Fortune 500 magazine, and you, you finally made it, and we'll make a documentary on your life, how you struggled. And Prabhupada doesn't see it that way. He said, you idiot. You spent 25 years slaving away like an ass to get this position, and in 20 years you're going to be kicked out. What's wrong with you? You should have used that to chant Hare Krishna. So that that's actually how it is. So, enjoyment, there's a price. It's not cheap. Enjoyment is not cheap, and enjoyment does not come unfettered without negative ramifications. And you know that. Now, here's the good news. If you want to enjoy, there is a way to do it, but it's not going to happen until you're Krishna conscious. And so, if you go back to Godhead, you'll actually enjoy If I keep myself as a businessman doing business, naturally it is done so. One gentleman in Calcutta was a very big businessman. He was dealing in shares. So at the time of death, he was crying, Kamarhati, Kamarhati shares. Kamarhati shares at that time was very popular. So at the time of death, the result will be that he might have taken birth as a rat in the Kamarhati building, I guess, office. It is... It's indistinct, but must be the office. It is possible at the time of death, whatever you think, that will carry you to a type of body. Krishna is very kind. So, Krishna Karshani, Krishna knocks on your door today and says, what do you want? You want Braj? You want heavenly planet? You want another birth in the material world? Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. What are you going to choose? What do you actually want? I want to be Celine Dion in my next life. Yeah, that's the problem. That's why she doesn't want to go back to Godhead because she still wants to be a rock star. What if I told you you were a rock star in your last life? Maybe you were. Maybe for many lives. You don't know. Maybe that's why you want to be a rock star because you already were. And Krishna Karshani, what if I could show you a video of the last 10 lives and every lifetime you are a rock star? that maybe this lifetime you wouldn't want to be. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Anyone who ever begs from Krishna any benefit, any type of things he requires from Krishna, Krishna gives him. All right, you were thinking like a rat, you become a rat. You're thinking like a tiger, you become a tiger. You're thinking like a devotee, you become a devotee. You were thinking of me, please come to me. That's all simple truth. Okay. So, it's dangerous not to be Krishna conscious because you don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, you think you're safe taking another birth in the material world? I don't know. It's a gamble. Well, look at it this way. If you go back to Godhead, you don't have to worry about so many things. There's no abusive parents. There's no abortion. You're not going to have to eat meat anymore. But if you take birth here in this world, how do you know? Maybe you're born, your family will feed you meat. Maybe your father will be abusive. I mean, you don't know. So, like, why? They say, well, I'll take birth in heaven. Sometimes the demons take over heaven. It's like... Anyway... What I would say is, spiritual world is your home, and that's where you belong. You don't belong here. So that's it. 
Matter finished. You don't belong here. You're not supposed to be here. That you're supposed to be there. So, okay. So we're going to read one more quote and then we'll finish this. No, there's two more quotes. But there's some comments. So I'm going to read the comments. Maybe we did finish the dock. I thought there's a couple more. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Can you say something about Vaishnava Parad? What it means? How to avoid it? Yes, I've said it. On just go to my SoundCloud. Uh, it's all there. So, the name of this class is going to be called Krishna Karshani Exposed to the World. Anyway, I can expose her because she knows everything I'm saying is true and she already knows it. She's just a little afraid to confront it, but she knows. Anyway, we're all stupid. That's our qualification for being here. So we're going to continue reading. This is called Have to Take an Animal Birth. I don't know if we read this. I thought we didn't. Let's see if we remember reading this. Our engagements are various, but that is bipale. Bipale means without any result. Result will be that I create a certain type of mentality in order to protect the so-called country, society, family, and at the time of death, I will have to accept a body according to my mentality. So people are accepting so many abominable means to carry on this business of society, friendship, and love, so-called. The result is that he is developing a certain type of mentality which is not human. And the result will be next life he'll be forced to accept a body according to that mentality. That's, anyway, we've heard this before and we're hearing it again. Hmm. So it's like, you have a human body, but you don't have a human mentality, so you don't deserve to have a human body. So in the next life, you won't have one because you're not qualified for it. And and um, if you don't have human mentality, then you have to have the vehicle to suit the mentality. So there are other vehicles which would be better suited to a non-human mentality, so then you get one of those vehicles. And... Ladies and gentlemen, my dear devotees, you can all go back to God at maybe this lifetime if you put your nose to the grindstone, as we say, and you just get focused. You could go back to God in this lifetime. That's amazing. Isn't it? Okay, next quote. This is the last quote on this document. This is 37 pages of quotes. This is what we started reading when the class began, and now we're finally finishing over two months later. The body is supposed to be conducted by three elements, kapha, pita, pita, and bayu, cold, bile, and air. So when these three elements work simultaneously, there is no disease in the body. But as soon as these three elements overlap, there will be disruption, and the body becomes diseased. And when it is not possible to bring them again in harmony, a man dies. 
That is the verdict of Ayurvedic Shastra. So death takes place when these three elements overlap with one another. The symptom is there is a sound in the throat which sounds like something, I don't know. I've never heard the sound. That means the patient cannot speak, the throat is choked up, and he suffocates and dies. So this is the last symptom of his body. Hare Krishna. Well, I think you only have 36, but I guess maybe I never gave that to you. So, um, one great thing about not being a demigod is that, at least on some planets, maybe on all, not being a demigod, but not living on a higher planet, you, you don't grow old, you just one day you die. You don't know you're old. There's no sign. The good thing about being on this planet is you grow old. So at a certain point, your body's breaking down. And so if you think about living much longer, then you think, well, my body's been breaking down and it's been difficult. And if I live much longer, it's going to be pain, more painful. So it makes it easier to leave your body. For, for all of us who are thinking, oh, it's going to be hard for me to die. Yeah, because you're 40, 50, 30, 20. But if you're, you're 93 and nothing in your body is working, it's, it's going to be different. So that's a blessing. If that's what we need, then it's a blessing. It's like, okay, I'm 90 years old. You know, do I want to live another 50 years? That, you know, unless I'm a yogi and healthy, that would be really difficult. So, okay. So, now we have 15 minutes. We can begin a new document. Are you ready for a new document? Or do you have a question? I don't see any. Uh-huh. Okay, so this next document, it's, it's titled or entitled, depending on how you look at English. It's titled Real Happiness. Uh, No, it's titled In the Spiritual World. And what this was, was a search on the database. As I said, I was thinking, I was thinking, I did a search called At the Time of Death. So we've been, we've been, this discussion is what is death, what what consciousness we create, and how that affects us, and so forth. But we never actually started talking about what happens, as they say, on the other side. What happens on the other side? Of course, we know. Uh, yeah, okay. So, I said before that a, a lot of this in the beginning is going to be very fundamental. Just kind of, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that purport. Yeah, I know that verse. Yeah, but I think at the same time, even though it's fundamental, it it creates a foundation for for just transitioning because now we're transitioning into the spiritual world and we're we're trying to imagine and understand something that that is transcendental and not really of this world, and so. Just the way it's being explained, little by little, I think it will help us digest it, even though it's, it's simple. Okay, so we're going to begin reading, and when we do these searches, you first you go through Gita, 
Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So we're, we're going through the Gita now, some basics. And I titled this, Real Happiness is Not in This World. Here, the material world is described, well, this is from the Gita intro. Here, the material world is described as a tree whose roots are upwards and branches are below. We have experience of a tree whose roots are upward. If one stands on the bank of a river, any reservoir of water, he can see that the trees reflected in the water are upside down. The branches go downward and the roots upward. Similarly, the material world is a reflection of the spiritual world. The material world is but a shadow of reality. In the shadow, there is no reality or substantiality. But from the shadow, we can understand that there are substance and reality. In the desert, there is no water, but the mirage suggests that there is such a thing as water. In the material world, there is no water, there is no happiness, but the real water of actual happiness is there in the spiritual world. So, I think sometimes when devotees read this, is that there's no happiness here, and there's nothing real here, and no, I'm happy, and things appear real. So this is the this is the beginning of trying to understand the nature of the spiritual world. Is you don't look at this world and then try to understand the spiritual world. You try to understand the spiritual world as it's described, and then you understand this world is reflecting that. So you see it as a reflection, but Prabhupada said perverted. It's backwards. Everything is backwards. So what's high here is low there. What's low here is high there. It's 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 a backwards reflection, or it's a, a perverted reflection. It's it's a show. Prabhupada says it's a shadow. So you know what can you understand from seeing a shadow? Not a whole lot, right? It's a shadow reflection. So that's where we start. The, the, this world is a shadow of the spiritual world. In the shadow, there's no real substance. The, what you call happiness or any substance is a shadow. It's not real. And when you, when you get a little bit of that substance, then you start to understand that what you thought was real is just a shadow. So that's, that's, the, that's the importance of getting Krishna consciousness. Also the importance of understanding the nature of the spiritual world as this is the reality. This is this is what we compare everything to. And we compare everything to our world, isn't it? And I'm trying to understand the spiritual world by comparing it to this world. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes it just makes it problematic. Whereas I should try to understand the spiritual world and then see this world as a reflection. Perverted. Okay, so basic points. This world is not real. It's a shadow. Gives us the shadow. Gives us at least an understanding. There must be something real. Otherwise, how could there be a shadow? Okay. The next quote: If one is Krishna conscious, one has already attained the spiritual world. In the material world, there are activities of sense gratification, whereas in the spiritual world, there are activities of Krishna consciousness. 
Attainment of Krishna consciousness even during this life is immediate attainment of Brahman. And one who is situated in Krishna consciousness has certainly already entered into the kingdom of God. So, this is also interesting. I think we covered this in some sense in the beginning that does a pure devotee want to go back to Krishna? Well, Premanjana Chorita Bhakti Vilochanena, you're seeing Krishna everywhere. So, what does it mean going back to Krishna if you already see him everywhere? And then, why would you want to go back? What's there to go back to? You're seeing Krishna everywhere here. So, we, we often say the devotee lives in the spiritual world, the devotee's liberated, etc. So that's another sign of Krishna consciousness, that you, the devotee loses the desire to go back to Godhead because he's already back. Or maybe in some cases he never left. So, I really want to go back to Godhead. That means I really feel like I'm in the material world. right? I'm really feeling the material world. Or for one is a little more evolved, they're not feeling the material world so much. So the desire to go back to Godhead is a bit of an oxymoron because how could you desire to go back to where you already are? Right? I just want to go back to Godhead. No, you wouldn't say that. You already are with Krishna. So that's another point. Mm. I think it's it's also important because you know when you're dealing with separation from devotees or from your spiritual master the the solace is this realization that that being together is not a question of physical proximity and and that's only understood by more advanced Krishna consciousness. But when you understand it, more specifically when you experience it, then you won't, that there's no feeling of separation because there's nothing to be separated from because you realize the, the transcendental nature of bhakti. So that's something really important for us to develop because we're all going to lose friends. It was just yesterday one of our godbrothers died. And now here in Alachua, two godbrothers are, I think, are also leaving their body. And I know both of them fairly, fairly well, or at least at one point did. And so, you know, there's going to be more and more separation. It's just the writings on the wall. We're we're losing devotees who are dear to us, and then someday our spiritual master would go, unless there's some accident and we go first, or we're we're older than him. So that, that's a time where it's extremely difficult or can be challenging. But for a devotee who's more evolved, who can realize the presence of Guru and Krishna in, their hear, in the hearing and chanting of their glories, then that devotee is going to be much easier for them. I read something this godbrother wrote. It's really beautiful. I'll share the thought. He said that after Prabhupada left, he had, like all of us, had a really, really difficult time. It's, you know, someone, I think Parker asked me, he said, what was it like for you when Prabhupada left? And I said, 
I had these crazy thoughts. It was so difficult. I had these crazy thoughts. Not serious, but they would pass through my mind. He said, you know, this pain is so great. If I never had met Prabhupada, I wouldn't be feeling the separation. You know, it was like, it was like, it was just so miserable. And so, all of us had this, this realization, Prabhupada is gone and everything is just darkness and everything is, is different and more difficult and you know, you know what it's like when a loved one leaves and everything that they were doing for you and everything they stood for, it's kind of like just vanishes. So we were feeling like that. And this devotee wrote a paper and he said about seven years after Prabhupada left, he had a realization, I think maybe based on reading Prabhupada's books. He was getting so much from reading Prabhupada's books. He said, I said... He said, I had a realization that we should never talk about Prabhupada in the past tense because he actually never left. And he said, once I had that realization, just I was relieved from all this suffering I had gone through for the last seven years thinking that Prabhupada had left. So don't talk about Prabhupada said, talk about Prabhupada says. Don't, don't talk about Prabhupada as, as if he's gone. He said, this was my realization, and this realization has totally transformed me. And so, that we need, we, it's really important that we, we understand these things, that the transcendental is here right now, if we have the consciousness to achieve it. And um, it's very important. I can just tell from personal experience that when your spiritual master leaves, it's one of the most challenging times in your Krishna consciousness. But if you realize they haven't left, Prabhupada is here right now, Prabhupada always has been here, you are also Prabhupada's disciple, you are also connected with him, then you're living, you're living in the spiritual world. You're not living in separation. We're all together. So, Sangeeta has said something. What if the desire is there to go back to Godhead, however, the situation around you are not favorable for Krishna consciousness? Like, wife knows the fact that this material... Wife knows the fact that... Wife, wife, like... What if husband and son, like wife knows the fact, it's pure world which is temporary, but husband and son don't support the activities of Krishna consciousness. And keep your morale down by criticizing the action which wife performs to please devotees of Lord Krishna. How to deal with that lifestyle. Um, you'll have to build a big fence around you. And then what I would suggest is that when you're Children are grown up. You start to just become more detached from that situation if it's not helpful. That's part of, you know, household life fun across that later in life you can you can focus on your spiritual life, your kids are grown up, your responsibilities are finished. 
In the meantime, I think you just have to build a big fort around you so when you somehow or other don't allow them to affect you, but just remain fixed in your bhakti. Whatever they say, don't say. Whatever they like, don't like. That's that's necessary. For sure. Not easy, but I think it's it's the ultimate survival method for being in an unfavorable situation is just don't pay attention to it. It's just just gonna give you an example. I I I was distributing books for some time, maybe a few years, we would travel. And we liked to travel to towns that were on the border of Mexico. And we would distribute books to the Mexicans. They would, many would come in to shop in America. At that time, the only Spanish I knew was just like, take a book and it's about yoga or whatever, and you know, please give a donation. And I, I didn't even entirely understand all the words I was saying. I was just like, just tell them this, and they'll give you a book. And occasionally I could see that some people were upset with us for some reason. Maybe they were Christians, or I don't know. Maybe it was the store owner who didn't want us to be on the property. But because I couldn't understand Spanish, I thought, this is really nice. I'm not going to learn Spanish because I know I can sense they're saying something pretty nasty, but I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> So it doesn't bother me. I just kind of look at them and go, yeah, because I don't understand. So it's, I know they're upset, but it's not upsetting me because I don't know what they're saying. I thought, okay, this is good. Definitely don't learn Spanish because then you're going to understand that they're telling you you're a stupid idiot and then you're going to get upset. So I think you kind of have to, you know, kind of tune out what, your family is saying that's against Krishna consciousness simply like you know it just becomes like a movie you know they're saying you shouldn't go to the temple it just turns into in your ears it's just you don't hear it anymore that's like you know it's it's you have to just be like yes 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 and you just like whatever right you know you don't want to be you don't want to be nasty or like that but you know sometimes you just have to be yeah 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 whatever somebody's complaining you know some people complain about everything and the people that are around them don't get upset and you go over to their house and say why aren't you upset this is this person is treating you this way this is not right and you're like, oh they always treat us like that we, we don't we don't worry about it anymore something that's you know just protect yourself like that that's what i would say just, you'll just hear, you know, a bunch of garbled voices. <laughs> or another, another way, another way you could hear it is that whatever they say, just hear the opposite. You shouldn't go to the temple. Oh, that means I should go. Why are you chanting Hare Krishna? It's a waste of time. Oh, that means it's not a waste of time. It's very important. You just hear the opposite of what they're saying. Okay, so... Today's Wednesday. That means it's the day before Thursday. That means tomorrow's Thursday. At least it was when I went to school and they taught me the days. I think it still works. So tomorrow's our class on balance. It's going to be translated into Ruski. Uh, it's available on Skype if you want to participate directly on Skype. 
I can see your lotus face on Skype. You can speak if you want on Skype. So you're all invited. And till then, one big Hare Krishna to all of you. Well, I have to see if there's anything after Sandita. That's the 37-page doc is finished. She wants me to email it, but it's gone. Oh, you want to send it to me? Okay. Sangeeta, <clears throat> practice. Gets easier when you practice. <clears throat> and the more you want to be Krishna conscious, the more you'll be able to do it. Of course, I don't know the practical details of your situation. It's just a general answer, you know. Kind of like, be there and not entirely there. Be with Krishna also while you're you appear to be in your family, and but part of you is just, okay, this is what I'm doing, and they don't like it, what can be done? It's, you know, you can... Uh, switch to Skype? It's not going to be on Zoom? Okay. That's, you know, there's so many things to learn, Sangeeta. And take it as a, take it in a way that you pray to Krishna, guide me how to do this, and you'll become strong. You'll become very strong if you can do it. Okay, Hari Bolo, Jai Jai, Koranga, Nitananda.